Welcome to another episode of Marketing Management and Money. I am your host, Ethan Migliori, and I'm joined here with actually the true host, Ryan Murray. The true. The true the host. only. <laughs> <clears throat> and he's working on some Zen stuff, so forgive him. <laughs> I, I am. That, that'll come up in a, a side conversation here in the near future. <laughs> so today we wanted to talk about compensation. That's a, a topic that we have a lot of people ask us questions about, especially smaller companies that are starting to get into that growth phase. They're adding more employees. They're trying to find ways to structure it so that while they're small and still tight on cash, um, in some cases that, you know, how, how do I structure compensation to keep good employees until I can get to that hurdle where, you know, now we can structure a little bit more formally, like, you, you know, you read on, you know, Inc and Fortune 500 and strategies that you'll see on there. So, mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, we are going to take this from a small business perspective, but it's very interesting. I'm trying to remember the exact number, but I believe 18, that's the number that pops into my head. I could be mistaken on the the number, but the concept is this. About 18 states in the United States have uh, put laws in place that for every position you have to list the salary range of that position. And these are starting to be state laws. And so when you start thinking about compensation, uh, whether you're in one of these states uh, or, you know, whether you're not, uh, but, uh, you know, I know a lot of businesses that they, they want to come up with salary ranges uh, and kind of, you know, start, start posting and listing a lot more openly what, uh, what that is. But I think what I would like to cover today, and I know you've got, you've got several notes as well, but... I'd like to talk about compensation beyond just the uh, the dollar amount. You know, right. this is going to bleed into some uh, turnover retention type discussion uh, because uh, compensation is definitely uh, a huge factor as to what kind of turnover and retention you have. Uh, employee engagement, uh, I think, uh, is also another factor. You know, sometimes people don't quit, but well, they, they don't quit formally. <laughs> they just quit in terms of uh, productivity which is, and engagement. Which is worse. Which is worse. And so uh, I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll jump into a lot of that. But, but yeah, just, just looking at it, this is definitely a big picture kind of discussion, but we're going to focus on the specifics of small business and how to manage this from a small business perspective. And I guess the first thing I'd put out there on the table is to remember that wage is only a satisfier. Now, you've told me this before, and I actually think that this is brilliant, but let's go into some detail of what you mean when you say wage is, is only a satisfier. We have done a podcast episode on this before, but I think it's worth just recapping real quick. So a couple of things about why wage is a satisfier is one, I can only pay people so much before they can't produce anymore. Does mm-hmm. it make sense? So... Um, whether that's skill, intelligence, speed, uh, I mean, there's a number of factors that go in there, but after a certain point in time, they can't produce anymore, regardless of how much I pay them, meaning they're not contributing anymore to the ROI of the company. And, and I kind of look at that and I say, if you take a, a car, you can only put so much gas in it, you can only fine tune the engine, at some point the car is what it is, and it's going to govern at a certain speed. 
And I mean, you can eke out a little bit better if, you know, if the tire pressure is correct and, you know, if if the engine is firing optimally. But at the end of the day, you know, it's got the engine in it that it's going to have. Right. And then the flip side of that is that as an employee, uh, you, you like to think that, yeah, I would like to make more. But the reality of it is, is each one of us, our life situations are different. And so a certain level of wage doesn't allow me to live a better life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, the money just sits around somewhere. So it becomes a satisfier. I'd rather have something else that feels in different need besides um, money. Yeah. So money tends to be a satisfier when we look at the equation of compensation. And I don't know if you're going to get into this, so maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I do want to point this out. And this is a mistake that I've seen a lot of small businesses make. Uh, when you're a small business, you tend to understand the lifestyles and the specific situations of people that work for you. And right. as an owner, you really need to tie compensation to the job and not to the person's lifestyle. And and so if you have someone who, you know, and, and this happens all the time, they'll come up to you and they'll just be like, hey, you know, uh, my, uh, my spouse, uh, you know, just just got uh, laid off, and so I I now am the sole breadwinner, so I need a raise. I'm sorry, but that has no bearing on the business. You know, if you yeah. want to come and say, hey, I've been with the company now for three years. I can show you my productivity. I want a raise. Okay, that has some bearing on it. But the fact that your spouse got laid off or the fact that now your son needs braces or the fact that, you know, you decided to buy a bigger house and you did it on an adjustable rate mortgage. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Those are choices that you have decided to make. They, they, don't, they don't impact, you know, the company. And so you really need to look at what, you know, what is good for the company and hope that that lines up with employees. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, Uh, sometimes you'll be having this conversation and saying, Hey, look, this is what the company pays. This is what we can offer you. If you want a bigger lifestyle, let me, let me give you a letter of recommendation and hope that you can find, you know, what you're looking for. And and that's what you're going to find as the company gets bigger. You, you have to go to structure when you're smaller you can play and have a little bit more flexibility. So you have to make a decision at what point in time or have some metrics in place to say, all right, we're gravitating towards this with each person that we hire because we have to have that structure um, that you're talking about Mm -hmm. where this job pays this. So I would even argue with that structure, when you're small, you can get away without having that structure. I still put it in place. Yes, it doesn't hurt to do that. And and well, here, so here, let me go through a, a few because you're kind of talking on it, and I have a few. But like points. I said, I didn't want to jump ahead. No, 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 no. I have a few points that I think will help bring all of this and tie it up cleanly for where you're going with it. So when you're looking to do considering compensation, um, you're going to see from the side. We always look at the financial side of it as well. And so um, the first one I'm going to kind of put out there is how does this affect your cash flow? Okay. Okay. How does your compensation package or structure affect cash flow? Because mm-hmm. cash is king. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone who's taken any business classes, we preach cash is king. And there's a reason for that because if you don't have cash, you can't do anything. Yeah. And so 
you got to look and take that consideration as you're looking into this one that, you know, cash is king so that you're not giving it all away. You've got to find that right balance um, so that, you know, and as another, as we talk about through some of these points that um, if you get backwards in that, there's some things you can do to keep cash on the front end, but in the long run that it might hurt you. So, you know, paid vacation. Okay. I'm not paying out that cash today. It keeps cash on my books for now, but in December, when everyone wants to take vacation, all of a sudden I'm going to go cash poor really quick. Mm-hmm. So do I do I recognize some of those policies that I have in place and how they're going to affect and when they're going to affect me? So because it will affect your cash flow. Yeah, or if I have a payout when someone leaves. Correct. You know, so uh, this Correct. is super interesting. Um, we decided to do this topic what two three weeks ago. And, uh, um, as is typical, you did a bunch of research and I just, you know, just, just did my thing. (laughs) You always pull from all the experiences that you do. I don't. Well, so the, the, the God smiled favorably upon me and gave me an opportunity. Uh, so I don't, uh, I don't directly consult like I used to, I used to consult, uh, that, that, that was, uh, that was my primary, uh, primary job. But uh, I still do a lot of consultation on the side. Just last week, I ended up in a consultation uh, helping someone to determine, uh, she was asking the question, can she raise uh, her hourly employees because she feels like with uh, the current state of the market, with all the inflation, she feels like she's not paying enough and it's going to cause problems. And so... Uh, so, you know, she called me up and she's like, Hey, I need to know if I can raise my hourly rate for, uh, you know, for my employees. And so, uh, I told her, I'm like, okay, let's schedule a time. We'll sit down and meet. And I'm like, in preparation, I want you to come up with your monthly cash flow for the business. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of asking me, she's like, well, why, why do I need to look at my monthly cash? <laughs> like how, how much money's in the bank? What does that have to do with anything? You know, uh, but that, that was specifically one of the things that I asked her. And the other thing that, that we sat down is I said, okay, how many additional units do you have to sell to cover the additional wages that you're going to bring in? We did a break-even analysis. And, you know, and so we did just those two simple things. We did a cash flow analysis and a break-even analysis uh, to tell her that I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what you're looking at. Do you feel like you can cover this? Mm-hmm. And she looked at it and she's like, oh, okay, I do feel like I can cover that. I'm like, okay, then you're okay to, you know, raise those wages. Like this is exactly the financial impact that those wages are going to have on you. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, great example. Uh, Thanks for sharing. Now, one thing we forget a lot about, which is another one that I suggest that people look at and take consideration is what are the implications when it comes to taxes and potentially other legal things that come with Mm -hmm. it? But I want to focus on taxes because... Too often we forget about that because there are certain uh, compensation benefits that you can take advantage from a tax standpoint and others that you cannot. Mm-hmm. Along with um, when you're when you're talking about compensation for employees on personal income tax, there's brackets, and as soon as you hit over a certain income level, then it changes the percentage that you're going to be taxed. Yeah, but a good CFO or even a good bookkeeper is going to have some some thresholds like at what point do uh you know do do benefits kick in and how much right. do benefits cost uh what's the difference be- between part-time and full-time Correct. and you know exact uh, you know how many hours are there and that's a pretty common one you'll see a lot of people that know 
you know, they know that breakdown. But what they don't understand is they don't understand the difference between, okay, do I hire one part-time person or do I allow four people to sneak into overtime? But that's another thing to look at. Should I pay someone hourly or should I pay someone salary, you know? Yeah, correct. Because that that changes a lot of uh, how that compensation may be applied Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that's a great, great point that I didn't have on my list that looking at that difference because... Um, it can affect them dramatically. Mm-hmm. And if you start giving people bonuses, you got to understand, okay, are those bonuses going to be taxed? You know, I've seen Correct. a lot of people Correct. that they get upset when their bonuses, this you know, is, they're like, you said I got a thousand dollar bonus and I'm only taking home 700 bucks. Yeah, because <laughs> like, it's taxable. Yeah. And because for that, Correct. you know, pay period, it bumped you into a really high bracket. You might get some of that money back you when you do your taxes. <laughs> yeah. But, so from an owner and from an employee, if you're, if you're working on some of that or looking to, you know, take a position at a new company, you may want to be. <laughs> looking at that and also figuring out how you want to position yourself because um, when you start crossing brackets, if it's in, in a fairly close range there, you may lose, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to have bigger jumps to do some of that, but there, there are sp- very specific breaks that you should look at where those, that taxable income changes. Yeah. And, and I would say, and this is just my own personal point of view, I don't feel like you lose out when you take those jumps. I feel like what happens is people get in their mind a number and they think that they're going to have a lot of take home and then they don't get as much take home as they anticipated. So, you know, on paper, the the jump looks really big, like, oh, I got this big raise or this big bonus. And then the net effect was not what they anticipated. That's that's what I see happen a lot. Yeah, and I'm a huge advocate for I'd rather take the bonus than a 25 cent raise because I'm never going to fill the raise in my paycheck. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? But are, are you going to talk dollars? about bonuses? Because that's one that I really want to hit on. Um, we will talk about bonuses. Um, I'm probably going to let you take the lead on that one. You, you I, want it now or do you want to keep no, going? No, we can go now. Okay. Because so, we're on the subject. Okay. This is something. Listeners that, have to follow this, not us. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Way to be dismissive. <laughs> it's on you guys. <laughs> so uh, all jokes aside, getting back to the bonus concept. I have found, and this is to your point, if I am, you know, if I've crunched the numbers as as a good, you know, CFO, a financial manager, whatever the title is, I don't care, but whoever's crunched the numbers, if they've come back and all you can offer is a 17 cent an hour raise, give a bonus instead. Correct. Like cheap raises are going to get you in trouble. Big raises are also going to get you in trouble. Like yeah. you, if, if you're going to do a raise, you want to make sure that that raise is just a nice, even kill kind of raise. The other thing, uh, people, they get off track where they don't understand that percentages, you know, if, if I've got a, an employee that makes 10 bucks an hour and then I've got an employee that makes $120,000 a year, 3% is someone making $120,000 a year matters. That's a great oh, raise. Yes. 3% to someone making 10 bucks an hour is a slap in the face. That's right. And, and so don't do these straight. So if you're in that situation where you're like, what I would do is I would actually bonus both of them. You know, I would take the guy who's making 120,000 a year and I would give him a bonus that's less than the 3%. You know, I'd give them a few thousand dollar bonus. It's still greater than what the person who gets yeah. the 3%. And keep this in mind. If you do a bonus, it is not cumulative. 
So if I give a raise 3% every single year, I've got compound that's interest right. that's happening. And so right. I can do a 3% bonus that's actually cheaper than a 3% raise because it doesn't have the cumulative effect. And, and from a company standpoint, I love a bonus because I have that money sitting in my bank account earning interest yeah. for a much longer time until I pay out the bonus. Mm-hmm. So I make more money on my money, which is a good principle to follow, even though I still want to compensate my employees. Uh, you know, that's, that's always well, the... You also, if you're a little bit on the fence, I've seen a lot of people where they're in a situation that they want to give raises, you know, like right now, okay, inflation has really taken off. People right. are feeling like they need to give raises, but all of their costs just went super high. And so they're nervous about, you know, increasing their labor costs, which for most small businesses is your biggest expense. Yes. If it's not your biggest, it's it's in the top, you know, three probably, maybe the top five for a few. But for the most of, you know, most small businesses, labor is going to be up there, you know, number one or number two. And so... If you're a little bit nervous about requiring you to do that, put some money into an account, some cash into an account, set it aside for bonuses. And then if you have to dip into that, well, instead of having 50,000 worth of bonuses to give out, you've only got 40,000 worth of bonuses to give out. But you had 10,000 to kind of cushion something that, you know, an unexpected that all all of a sudden, you know. And when, you, up. and when we talk about raises and bonuses, there's kind of a buzzword going around called uh, acknowledged excellence. Okay. And I, I like that principle. That Apparently I'm in the wrong circles because I haven't heard it. <laughs> um, you or, have now. Or no one acknowledges me <laughs> or they don't think that I have excellence. <laughs> we won't go too far. So I, it's the big word that just says, you know, we're, we're acknowledging and doing something based around something good you've done. So raises and bonuses should always have a clear attachment to some metric that was met. Okay. Because then when someone else wants to make the argument of why did they get it, it's easy to say the raise or the bonus came because of this factor that this individual accomplished, this acknowledged excellence that XYZ person over here didn't do. So, so, I'm, I'm going to ask, and maybe maybe we're going to differ on this point, but would you say that uh, not having gotten a raise for two or three years is a good enough reason for an employee to merit a raise? Merit a raise. Uh, I believe in a cost of living, but I don't believe in a cost of living every year. Okay. Okay. Does so that answer I, your question? I th- yeah, it does. I'm going to want some clarification, but I think that puts us on the same page. I think we're now agreeing. Uh, and so I'm going to share my so thoughts on this. A cost of living or just a, a merit increase across the board, I get, but I don't put that in the same category as a raise. Okay. A raise, a raise to me is something where someone has shown, you know, uh, initiative, they've acquired more contracts, they're excelling in their position, they've made us more efficient. I can associate something to their putting into the return on our investment. Hence, I'm willing to invest back into them because they're investing in me. Okay. 
So, yeah. I, Same with a bonus. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And I would say that sometimes you have to just give someone a raise, not because they've done anything special, but because they've stuck with you and they've been a good employee. Now, right. I do want to clarify, if you have an employee that you're frustrated with or an employee who's not really doing a good job, um, I don't feel like a cost of living is a right I agree. You know, I think a cost of living is me telling you that you have met the minimum requirements of this job, in my opinion. Yes. And your costs have gone up, so I'm trying to compensate for your costs going up. Yeah, Cause, uh, and I don't want to lose you as an employee. Yeah. Because that's what happens eventually. Uh, you know, I, I, t- I tell a lot of people all the time, and I don't know this is part of our subject today, but... Um, some, unfortunately, sometimes when you get inside of an organization, the only way to get a raise is to change positions. Mm-hmm. Like most jobs are not, and that, you know, that's one of the points I bring out is employees like to have a path for advancement. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if that path for advancement means that you change positions, make that clear. If that is with inside this position based off of sales or productivity, or other things, you can get advancement or, um, you know, bonuses because of the productivity associated with it and make that clear. But people like to have the clarity so that they know that if they choose, they have ways to increase their income. But here's the challenge. Okay. So if I'm a medium sized company and I'm going to say medium, I'm probably going to put that at approximately 50 plus employees. Okay. Uh, I mean, you could argue yeah, I, different I would different stages, that. but you know. So, if I'm at about fifty plus employees, I probably can map out some clear cut paths forward. Correct. If I'm fewer than fifty, it's challenging. Some departments. So, if I'm like twenty to fifty in that range, I'm going to have a couple paths forward, but not straight across the board. Like you know, yes. I, you know, I, I look at. Uh, you know, if, if I've got a company that's 20 to 50 and I have an accounting department in that accounting department, there's probably <laughs> four or five positions and that's all there's going to be. And you have to wait for someone to die or retire if you want to move up. But, but that's, but if that expectation is set clearly that this position, uh, the only advancement that comes with it is occasionally there will be a cost of living increase. Otherwise, this position doesn't have growth. It's just an accounting position. That's what it's designed to be, and they know that. So you would do that as part of the hiring. Oh yes. Oh, that's interesting. I've never, yeah. I've never seen that happen. And at first, I was like, "Ugh, would I want to take a job if someone said, just so you know, the only raises you're going to get are going to be cost of living." Well, you know, but well, if I knew but, that, but if the expectation is set, I'm not saying, look, I don't value you. I'll find other ways that is the company. If we do well, you know, you'll get part of the company bonus. Um, you know, I still might, you know, give yeah, you I, some tickets to a, a jazz game or something, <clears throat> but unfortunately, but for those of you who aren't in Utah, that's a basketball team <laughs> or a Lakers game or <laughs> Chicago Bulls who are doing actually pretty good this year. So. Um, which is good to see. I'm just saying, when you say jazz, no one thinks of jazz in Utah. They're like, what is he talking about? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, a major league sporting event. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and those are all, and we'll talk about that as well, because I, I believe that those are some ways better forms of compensation and incentives than a wage. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that I think that's great. So now, while we're still on this one, before we bounce too far, okay. One of the last things is you're thinking about this one is as well as competition. You need to know what your competitors are doing. You need to know because if you're not staying at par or above your competitors, guess what happens? Are you, you talking on wage? Uh, everything. Or, or, okay, on compensation. On compensation. You're, you're, you're not talking having a competitive advantage when you sell your goods and services. Correct. You're, you're talking specifically about compensation. Yeah, because you, whether you like it or not, you're fighting for labor. You should be. Because if you're not fighting for labor, guess who's working for you? The people who are... <laughs> the leftovers. Yeah. Nice way to put it. <laughs> And so that's, so you need to know what your competition is doing. What are they paying? What benefits do they have? What compensation packages do they have? What, you know, what are the other things they have that makes them a better or a worse company to work for? Because you will lose employees. I don't care where you're at. Uh, Even in smaller towns, there's companies who compete for that same wage. So I, I agree with what you're saying, but I disagree with how I see most businesses do this. Um, I, uh, I, I, I had a friend of mine who was going through the interviewing process and uh, she was actually given two job offers around the same time. She ended up taking obviously one of them and the other company came back and asked, may we know why you, you know, didn't pick us? And she was honest to them, but she withheld the good information because she didn't want to be offensive to them. She didn't want to burn any bridges. And so she said mm. the, the, she said the information that was, you know, neutral and non-offensive. Right. But, uh, you know, and so I think it's very... So what was the real reason? I mean, we're talking about the subject, and if companies so, are potentially having that issue, how, how do you... So when she went through the interview process, she had the opportunity to meet the people that worked at the business. And she went around and she asked the people, do you like working here? And no one said yes. Oh, wow. Everyone gave these answers like, uh, yeah, I mean... There are good days and bad days, or they would really? say, well, you know, it's a, it's, job. it's a job, it pays the bills, I don't hate it here. Like, those were all yeah. of the answers. And she didn't feel like she could go to the owners and say, hey, just so you know, not a single person working for you said that they like working here. And so I don't want to work here. And and so she, she didn't want have. to. That would have been awesome. Well, but, I but, mean, uh, if the... It's, well, I don't know, because maybe the business owner wouldn't have taken it well anyways. Yeah, that, that's the thing, is there's a lot of risk there, because now are other people going to get... Uh, Hammered. You know, it's like, what? You know, we brought someone in, and no one said anything. It's now <laughs> mandatory, you know, <laughs> that everyone uh, likes working here. Uh, uh, like, you know, so so there were some issues there, Okay. So this is what what I'm going to say with having that competitive advantage. If you think that you're going to understand what's happening outside, that's a bad place to look because of examples like that. I personally think that the way you know if you have a competitive advantage is to look inside. I guarantee, guarantee you have employees that are job searching right now. Yeah, true. (laughs) if, if, If you have... 10 employees, two or three of them are job searching right now. 
And that's just what's happening. I don't care if you're an amazing boss. I don't care if it's the best company in the world. They are job searching right now. And so if you don't understand who on your team is job searching, why they're job searching, and if you can't have those open conversations, first off, I think that's indicative of, you know, a trust issue. Yeah. Uh, but you should ask people, say, hey, you know, like, why are you looking for another job? What can we improve upon? And let them filter out the competitive advantage. You know, if they're coming back and saying, well, you don't really pay as much as, as I would like, you know, but I really do like the culture and the atmosphere. Boom. You now know you have a good culture and an atmosphere. Why are they not leaving? Or if right. someone is leaving, why are they leaving? You know, so I, I personally find that you get more information internally than you do externally because it's really hard to get good information externally about why people like your company or don't like your company working for your company. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. So, anyway. Um, let's talk a, a minute about, because um, everybody has a diverse employee population, and it's kind of cliche to say, you know, I have a cookie cutter compensation package because the single guy is looking for different compensation versus the the individual who has the family versus the working mom versus... Um, uh, the guy who's, you know, mature, you know, 60, still a great worker, but he, he has a different focus. A lot um, of people get jobs because they're bored. They don't need the money. Right. You can, you can hire like a former exec that they're like, yeah, I used to make 200000 a year and I oversaw a team of 300 people. And um, I just, just didn't want to sit something that. to do. But low stress. Yeah. yeah. So uh -huh. anyways, each one of those, interesting enough, looks has a different need the single guy potentially or gal i shouldn't just say single guy but the the younger individual single no family good health that they would rather have money in their pocket than benefits right than health insurance right. uh, i should say health insurance is a benefit um versus the family individual they want some more health benefits and maybe a life insurance policy because now they know their family's taking care of anything happens to them you know Single mom's different, you know, or a working mom. I shouldn't necessarily single. They're looking at it. But, and of course, the older gentleman, that as you get older, you tend to care more about health than other things. So you want good health benefits and not necessarily cash. Which is super interesting because if you look at the university segment, and both you and I have background in higher education, um, higher education has set up and a structure that is based on heavy, heavy benefits. Yes. And they've started to get very lopsided in mm. the, you know, the, the, the workforce. That, and if you think about some, some of these higher education institutions are cities, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> They're so big. Yeah. And, and so to have, would you want, uh, you know, a city population, 20,000 people that only has people 50 years plus in age living in that city? 
No way. No, you want diversification of age, Correct. culture, background. You know, that makes for a vibrant city. Correct. And so, uh, and, and this isn't unique to higher education. This is just where it's well-documented and well-studied. And so people can, you know, you can go out and, and, and fact-check all of this. You're looking at higher education examples. But it's really caused some problems with the type of, you know, administration and instruction that is happening in higher education, it's it's becoming very pigeonholed. And that can happen in your small business. Correct. If if you only have aggressive salaries, you know, that right. are commission based, you're gonna get a bunch of A type personalities. It's gonna create a kind of a hostile work environment culture and it's gonna be very cutthroat. And you're like, why are we so cutthroat? You know, and maybe you want yeah. that, but yeah. Maybe you don't. And then as you grow and mature as your business, yeah, things well, need to change. I, I read uh, one article that I read looking just looking for new thoughts on compensation that are out there today. Because mm-hmm. um, I felt I was versed in pretty much the just the standard stuff going out there. And I thought, well, is there anything out there that's cutting edge? And I read a, one that was actually very intriguing to me. I need to study it out a little bit more to understand the nuances of it. But the concept of it was that um, they pay a base salary, okay? And and then they give you what they call a compensation salary. And that compensation salary, there's four or five items that you can pick from to choose how you spend your compensation salary. Okay, you got to explain this a little bit more. Yeah, fascinating. I'm telling you, I was blown away reading at it, even though I love the idea behind it, okay? So... Um, so in theory, I make $50,000, um, I receive another 20,000 and some type of compensation salary. Okay. So, and it can be applied in a couple different ways. I can apply it towards better health insurance. Oh, oh, oh. Or more, I can, health insurance plus dental plus I. Okay, so you're getting 50000 cash. Yes, that's then, my wage. And then the 20000 is going to be... A discretionary... Health benefits, paid time off. off. I can structure that. I have some ability to... training. Yeah, to structure that how I want to get that benefit. Um, e- even though it did suggest you, you have to do it annually or or every two years because you can't have people changing every month depending on the benefit that they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, I could say, hey, no, you know what? I'd rather have that as a wage. And so I'm going to take a percentage of it as a wage. No, I'd rather have it as paid time off. See, but this gets into, and I find this fascinating. Yeah, I was, I was that's just a cool like, idea. Yeah. Um, but this gets into the fact that most human beings are risk adverse to their detriment. And Correct. so, you know, they will take compensation. I remember that uh, there was uh, there was a friend of mine who she had a commission uh, sales job. Yeah. And she took a government position. And I was friends with her boss. And he came to me because he knew that, you know, I did yeah. business consulting. And he came to me and he's like, I don't want to lose her. She's an excellent salesperson. I don't know how to get her to stay I've shown her the numbers that, like, her biggest thing. So uh, she went through cancer, breast cancer. And so health benefits Health benefits was a big deal to her. But he showed her on paper that the amount of money that she would take home far exceeded. She could have paid out of pocket and still come out ahead 
because she was on sales commissions, aggressive sales commissions. I mean, she's making good money, but she wanted this benefit package. And he's like, I don't know how to retain her because she's looking at that security and she's not factoring in like the logical numbers. And I just told him, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you because that's what I would have done. I would have broken down the numbers. Well, in this model, this, this kind of one that I read about that I thought was pretty innovative would have said, Take the difference and you buy her health benefits. Mm-hmm. But but I love the idea because it doesn't change my base salary. So I don't have to worry about raises or whatever. That just stays structured. I have this flexible account on the top that's across the board, you know, whatever percentage it is for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And I can kind of structure that 20% within a reason of how I want to receive that benefit. So if, if I, you know, if I want to do just a catastrophic plan health, you know, health insurance plan. So if I do, cancer does hit me. Great. I I do, you know, I spend five grand a year on that catastrophic plan, meaning my out of pockets, 10 grand before any benefits kick in, but then I take the rest in cash and I do a trip. Great. But on the other hand, if I have health problems, I'm applying it all to it because I need it consistently. See, but here's a big issue. It's tricky. I see with a lot of small businesses, And that is that they need enough people to sign up for certain insurance policies to be able to offer them at any sort of decent rate. Yeah, but there's good co-op plans now. Uh, Yeah, you might think so. I I mean, they're not. I still make a strong argument that health insurance and uh, other benefits were were better before Obamacare. Um, I I think they've just degraded since then. Okay. Um, But still... Uh, I see people who do co-ops and now whether you can find a group to co-op and to be partnered in with that greater thing. But, but well, matter of fact, I just watched, um, Trek bikes. Uh, I forget the, the CEO, uh, guy's name. Anyways, I watched a, a webcast, uh, through that, uh, Walker webcast. Uh-huh. And it was fascinating because he, as a company came back out and said, um, uh, health is important to us, and it's so important to us that you have to pass a health exam, otherwise you can't work for us. Hmm. And you have two years to either get out of my company, and he didn't do it in a mean way, I make it sound really mean, to get out of the company or to get your life back into a health standard that's acceptable to my company, otherwise you're not going to work to us. I can't say that health is important to us and then not have policies that do it. See, you know who I think should be doing that? All of the uh, city and state and federal government agencies. They do, but they don't ever enforce it. I mean, he's the first company that I've heard of that actually put some teeth behind the language. He says that that is that you actually have to pass a health exam. And it wasn't a rigorous one. It was just, you know what, if, if you're walking daily, if you're... Um, yeah, eating see, better. See, so that's the thing is there's a lot of uncontrollables, but not as much as people claim. Right. But he still yeah. keeps amazing health. So eventually what happened is everyone in the healthy comes better. Guess what happens to their premiums? They dropped. For and sure. actually they've stayed lower. They haven't had an increase in their premiums because they kept their employees healthier, even though when something, you know, we still have the cancer things and other things that come into it. But overall, his employee population is healthier. They enjoy a healthier life. I mean, it, I mean, he just gave review after review after review of employees that have retired or whatever else have thanked him for making that change because their lives have been better from yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, 95% of people can control obesity. 
Yeah. It might be challenging for them. You right. know, I'm not saying but, that this is easy, but, but when you think about it, when your incentive is a company to do that one and your company's investing into it and they, yeah. they even, you know, create a little workout room where I can go in and, and do some walking type of stuff. Not I, how many companies do that? Right. right. I mean, think about it. We, you know, I work for a university that, that I'm not, I have free access to a gym and there, I'm not incentivized in any way to actually take benefit of it. And actually I'm probably penalized because if my supervisor thinks that I'm going to the gym and I'm not doing it on my lunch hour, right? Uh, I'm violating, see what I mean? Yeah. Now I don't have a supervisor that is that way, thank heavens, but I, there are many, many throughout the system that do feel that way versus I have one that says, you know what, you're getting paid to get things done. Yeah. You know, and I love that philosophy because I'm more efficient, I'm more effective, more proactive at the things I do when I do it. So, I mean, that's another compensation one is, you know, are, are you are you living a culture, creating the culture that allows you to, to have that, if the culture's health, especially if I'm a health food company, shouldn't that be part of it? Okay. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm a skill-based, do I have a compensation package that um, like one of our local companies finally implemented a, a compensation package that as I increase my skill set by certifications that they've kind of uh, outlined that are industry certifications, each one comes with a raise. Okay. I love that because now employees know exactly, you know, I have to, and, and they're willing to even pay for the schooling. If you pass, they pay for it. If you don't, you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's so there's some incentives, but think about it. Not only will they pay for it, but I'll get a raise at the end. Love it. I love it. Okay. Those are healthy compensation and incentive packages to allow employees to feel like they're appreciated. They want to be there. There's advancement for it. It strengthens your workforce. So uh, I knew that this was going to be like when we first uh, started prepping for this episode, I knew there was going to be a lot of content to the point mm-hmm. We're going to we, do round two. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> and and when we haven't even... S- I, I was going to say, when, when we get to... I'm still looking at all the notes <laughs> that you've got written down, and I think I think we hit the first two of, what, six that you've got there? Yeah. And, um, but I, I want to talk about, uh, you know, continue the conversation about work ethic. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. You know, people look at compensation from the employer's perspective, but the employee, you know, what do you have to provide, you know, what's, what's the expectation of expertise or work ethic or, uh, you know, ability to progress or ability to produce profits for the company. Uh, you know, like it is an exchange, it's a relationship. And I think that, you know, a lot of people complain about the entitlement generation going on. There's a lot that we can still discuss. So, uh, are are you okay if we, if we go round two on this? And I think we should, cause I, I still think there's some really good points that we could share with, uh, whether you're an employee or an owner or manager slash that would, it would bring, uh, some thoughts to your mind and maybe how to make healthy changes when it comes to compensation to retain high quality workforce. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So we'll pick this up with uh, a subsequent episode. And uh, so this is part one of compensation and uh, we look forward to having you join us at part two. Thanks everybody. Have a good day.